Welcome everyone, episode 478, Aussie Tech Heads, another week, yes, of tech news, uh, plenty. We are brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. How do you like the new webpage? Looking good? Uh, get into the, some web hosting in there and check it all out. There's a lot of information and just, uh, yeah, go for gold, go for gold. All right, this is, uh, we are recording on the 10th of March, 2016, and um, yeah, we've got a, another great show for you this week. Uh, don't forget to li- you can listen to us on the AussieTechRadio.com. Just uh, dial up the TuneIn Radio app and search for Aussie Tech Radio. You'll be right there. Twenty four seven podcast tech podcast uh, from Australia and New Zealand, and also contact us Facebook.com and YouTube.com forward slash Aussie Techheads. Now this week we are joined by the usual three. It's 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 getting to be the usual three. So let's go to uh, Stuart. Hi Stuart, how you doing? Hey Glenn, how are you? I'm good. Not too bad, thanks. How did the uh, the daughter's birthday party go? It went really well because because I did that uh, escape room um, thing. Right. That, uh, but my wife was a bit worried about. She, you know, she said that. Do you think that this is really going to suit sort of eleven year old girls? You know, is, is it just a bit too techy? Too much. It's just sort of escape from Mars type sort of thing. Anyway, the girls absolutely loved it and they had a great time. So right. it was great. Well, I've got uh, my tenth birthday tomorrow. Uh, no, Saturday. Well, she's actually 10 tomorrow, but the birthday party's yep. on Saturday, So, but I'm not doing no escape room. That's <laughs> just a normal party. Oh, you should do an escape room, Glenn. You put them in a room and you leave them there. And then I escape. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. And you escape, exactly. Yeah. We've got 11 little girls coming. That's, uh, oh, gonna... Good luck. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and as that was Eric. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? Hello, Glenn. Hello, yeah. gents. How yes. are you doing? Good, thank you. Another busy week, and uh, yeah, always busy. I don't know if I'm busy or disorganised. I'm trying to work that out. Yeah, I reckon that's the same here. I reckon I might be a bit of the latter for me. And uh, <laughs> I think lately, I, the latter. I just can't seem. You know, you sort of keep spinning in that wheel, but you think, mm. oh, what do I get done today? Yeah, well, I look, I, I sort of got stuck through the week when the dog went charging around the place and tipped over the shredded box of paper, and uh, oh, I still haven't recovered from it. <laughs> <laughs> shredded paper everywhere. I need to vacuum. All right, and uh, Shane, how you doing? Good, good, good. Busy week. Yeah, what legs? Uh, still got legs? Uh yeah. I've got the um, the cellulitis jump from the left leg to the right leg, and not me around again um, earlier on in the week, but seemed to be over the hump with that. And job, couple of job interviews. Um, nice. Had one on Tuesday. Had one last Tuesday before I got crook. And had the had second interview with them on this Tuesday. I was supposed to find out today whether um, I'd got the job or not, but um, still nothing. So I'm going with the known news is good news. Mm. Last week, I went and bought myself another new toy, um, bought a label maker. You can nice. tell that it's a label maker because it's got label maker labeled on the bottom. <laughs> you know, I, I bought... Well, a... did, you, did you forget what your name is? So you... <laughs> I bought a label Sounding maker. That. I'd bought a label maker once. You know what annoyed me the most about it? And I don't. you can tell us if yours is the same, Shane, but it took five batteries, five pencil batteries. I hated it. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, this one, this one only takes four, so you can you don't have to oh. buy the extra pack just yeah. to get the extra one. God. <laughs> now, well, tell, me, tell me, Shane, what's, what's the leg condition that you've got? Cellulitis. Um, it's basically, uh, it's, just, it's just a skin... Um, infection but the doctors tell me that the symptoms kind of show up in the leg especially in the lower leg because that's kind of in your body that's where it's a bacterial infection yeah yeah so i was put on antibiotics 
the second time round, it's putting up a bit more of a fight. So I was put on some antibiotics, intravenous antibiotics. <clears throat> they jumped that up to two jabs a day. About three days into it, um, I came out in a big rash everywhere because I, when I was a kid, when I had penicillin, I had like a, a rash that came out. And I yeah, didn't I'm, allergic realize, to, I'm allergic to penicillin too. Yeah, I didn't realise that this antibiotic was penicillin-based, but I've all, I've had other penicillin-based antibiotics in the past. Nothing's happened, but I think because it's of a heavy such dose, a, though, you got to get you got to get something else. Exactly. So they've put me on some other stuff now. So they've taken me off of the uh, the IV, which is good. So no more needles. I've just got to have like about nine antibiotic tablets a day. Just did they say? Did they doctors say how you how you get that sort of condition? They're honing in on potentially diabetes, especially because one of the blood results that I had over the last couple of weeks, the diet that that particular marker was kind of borderline. Okay. But they don't know whether it was borderline because of all the other crap that's going on in my body. Or right, because... you'll, have to do another, you'll have to do another test. Yeah, so, every, so I've, got that, yeah, I've got that lined up. But, um, but the other exciting thing that's happened to me this week, the highlight of the week, is that yesterday I got the NBN connected. Oh, oh you're a turd. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> That's what I, said. I said something very similar, but can't be repeated. But, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so yeah, go on. So it's working, is it? Show us your speed test. What's your speed uh, test? Go let on. Let me do one now. Do one, do one and then share the screen. Now, I just speed. want to... Um, I'll just clarify for the purposes of uh, transparency that I just flashed up some pictures of cellulitis. That wasn't Shane's leg, Okay. <laughs> and I hope you're not watching the show while you're eating tea. That was a woman's leg, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so didn't know Shane shaved his legs, <laughs> or they were, or I didn't know they were pink. No, but no, I just, I just googled a couple. But uh, yeah, but anyway, all right. So Shane's doing a speed test. How's it going? He's, he told me he was getting what a hundred down and thirty-eight up or something. It's just absolutely mind blowing. You're the most annoying person on the internet as of now, officially. <laughs> Yeah, how currently you... getting, currently it's hovering around eighty three down, oh, and but I've, I mean I've got all this other stuff going on, and then oh, up, please, up it is thirty. Oh God, that's enough. Yeah, that's 30, enough. Oh, let's 30, just see what I'm getting, shall we? Well, we thirty six up. We know what you're going to get. Thirty six up. Thirty seven up. Yeah, okay. Thirty six. I would kill for five up. I know. I think what, yeah, what do you get, uh, Stuart? You're, oh, you're on the cable, but you're slow at night, aren't you? Because of Netflix, you reckon? Yeah, it's, it's just a bit variable, actually. Well, actually, you know, um, House of Cards has just come back onto Netflix season four. I've just binge-watched the whole series. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished it this afternoon. Nice. <laughs> I've, I only watched, you the ending. I've only watched two episodes. <laughs> Is this guy a piece of work or what? I don't watch it. Yeah, well, he always has been, hasn't he? But Oh, it's a great show. But I had, because anyway, I used you'll Netflix. You'll love it. Bitch, watch 10 episodes on the trot. <laughs> I've got... Uh, um, I've just get, put it in the um, chat. Right, well, got, I'm um, getting... Get Thanks for asking. All and right. uh, oh, look at that. Hang on. Stuart was telling us his speed. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, 2.5 up normally, so yeah. it's it's fairly consistent, 2.5 up, so it's, well, it's I'm, okay. I'm sitting on 1.5 at It's better than 1. <laughs> which is annoying. Yeah, well, mine's are. Uh, oh, yeah, look at that. I don't know if I can show that off Shane's, but uh, yes, I have got proof that it is 83.4 up and 37.28 down. Rightio. Well, Shane's the new. You mean the, you good. Mean the other way around? No, down 83. Yeah, that's right. Is that what yeah. I said? Did I say it the other way around? Sorry. Yeah. 83. 
E3 up, I'd kill for that too. Yeah. Uh, so Shane's <laughs> going to be the designated streamer from now on once we go back live on the uh, on the live broadcast. All right. Well, let's start getting into some of this stuff. Uh, let's go with... Oh, look, I'll, I'll probably have one here. There was one I thought very interesting through the week. The, apparently, it's been called the first known Mac ransomware. And obviously, target Apple because it was it's a Mac. Now, pa- the Palo Alto Threat Intelligence Director Ryan Olson said that the key or Keranger malware, K E R A N G A, R E R malware, which appeared on Friday, was the first functioning ransomware attacking Apple Mac computers. So, um, look, I don't think everyone's going to get it. It's only been coming through a site called transmissionbt.com. Which I don't know. Have you heard of that, Eric? You, no, no. So it's a, I have, I have. Yeah. Oh, all right. So it's a BitTorrent peer-to-peer thing for the Mac. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently it's a really well-known one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, it's a very well-known BitTorrent client. So it's yeah, it's not, it's not um, obscure at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. An Apple representative said that the company had taken steps over the weekend to prevent a tax pay by revoking a digital certificate from a legitimate Apple developer that enabled the rogue software to, to install itself onto the Macs. Now, yeah, so so for whatever reason, when you use this transmission software, it, yeah, it put this the ransomware onto your machine and then it, it wasn't activated for three days. So, you know, you're going away or, you know, you, you go away, you watch all your movies and whatever you got, and then three days later, bang, encryption time, encryption town. Uh, Yeah, so it it carries a warning, so saying that uh, version, this is transmissionbt.com now, has got a warning saying that version 2.9 of its Mac software had been infected with the malware, and you should, if you are using it, make sure you are at version 2.91. It also provided technical information on how users could check to see if they were infected. Uh, Bad luck if you are infected, I think. I think that's uh, end of... End of the day, once you get one of those. So, uh, has anyone here ever been ransomware? Or are we just too smart? No. No. I've seen it. No. Have we all seen it? I've yeah, seen it. Seen it. I've, yeah. I've, I've seen I it pop up. I haven't seen it before. It no. I've seen it many times pop up, and you know, on the, it's a web page if I'm going to a particular site, and it says, mm. uh, your computer is infected. Click here now. Right? And you think, yeah, yeah rightio. Sure. Piss off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, look, I saw it in a, I got called out to do a job, and yeah, they had it, I think it was the, the crypto locker one, the, you know, the original the original Invest, and uh, yeah, so what had happened was the machine just still worked okay, like everything was fine, it was snappy, you know, everything was fine. As soon as you go and open up a, a Word document or something, it would say, don't know what you're doing, what, what are you trying to do, not in a f- known format. Once you started looking in through the files and everything, uh, all the Word documents, instead of the dot doc or dot doc doc x they were all like uh, dot doc dot uh encrypt like this they all had this encrypt extensions uh put on them and apparently that just went it went through the whole system just doing photos documents just like user data and then it also went through to any other computer that was connected to that computer on the network so it just went through the whole place and uh Yeah. yeah so yeah, so um, we just had to get every, all the data back from backups, luckily. Hang on a minute, Stuart. You have a new microphone. Is this correct? 
it's the same one as um, as as last week. It's, it's just it's, it's just the vocal mic I use in the band, actually. So I thought that would oh, sound better. It? Oh, I, yes. so. I just um, <laughs> I thought you were using a headset once before. I was uh, two weeks ago. The first time I came. Oh, right. On. Okay. Yeah. All right. But it wasn't yeah, quite the sound, as good. This is, this is good. Um, it was good sound. Yeah. 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 It's good sound. It is good. All right, um, Eric. What have you brought us this week? You find anything? Exciting? Ah, yes, yes, yes. Microsoft <laughs> Surface Book ads borrow music from Apple to focus on things a Mac just can't do. Okay. Do t- following the launch of a few ads focused around the advantage of advantages of Windows 10 over Macs. This week, Microsoft continued its campaign with new commercials showcasing the Microsoft Surface Book. The ads feature wildlife photographer, blah, 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 blah. And the, vi- the first video showcases Flack's initial impressions of the Surface Book with the photographer commenting on the detail provided by the two-in-one laptop slash tablet device. Flack also detaches the top half of the Surface Book to directly edit and manipulate his fo- photographs he ends the video stating, I can't do that on my Mac. Oh. oh take, the, take it out. <laughs> take that. Now, <laughs> why have they, sorry, why did they borrow music from Apple? What was that part about? Well, no, not music from Apple. You know, Apple didn't own the music. They used the same music that Apple used. Oh, um, I see. Right. In their past right. ads. Yes, right. right? So people can associate, because everyone can associate an Apple ad That's with sneaky. music. Right? Yes. So they think, oh, well, watch. Oh, look, there's an ad. Hang on a minute. They're slagging off Apple. So that's yep. very, a bit of uh, guerrilla marketing. Very clever. Mm. Do you know an- <laughs> another thing that I don't actually like about the Macs? And I don't know if you, if you get this same, Eric, but uh, they've got no like hard drive light LED. Like the machine could just be sitting uh, there frozen. No, there is no hard. No, you're right. There well, is. That doesn't bother me. What do you want uh, a hard drive light for? Well, I want to know if it, the machine's doing anything. Or, it like, is because it's. I've got a flash drive. Doesn't worry me. Yeah, I like lights. I like LED, I like LEDs. <laughs> All right. That doesn't worry me. Hmm. All right. Uh, okay, Shane. What's been going on in Perth? Any any local uh, Perth stories? Not this week. Uh, not this week. No, I've got a Microsoft story that I was going to follow on from that Microsoft story with. Yeah. Go. Just in you know, just with continuity. Uh, Microsoft is going after Comcast in order to unmask the person behind the infringing IP address, which activated thousands of Microsoft product keys stolen from Microsoft's supply chain. Microsoft wants the court. Apparently, what what's happened is a whole bunch of IPs, uh, a whole bunch of product keys have gone missing from Microsoft, and because Microsoft can obviously track. The, the authentication process or, goes, or the activation process where it's coming from, it's noticed that it's come, thousands of them came from one single IP address. So oh. anyway, Microsoft wants the court to issue a subpoena which will force Comcast or any ISP or reseller to hand over the pirating subscribers' info. From 2012 to 2015, Microsoft maintains that an IP assigned to Comcast pinged its servers in Washington over 2,000 times during the software activation process. As Torrent Freak, as Torrent Freak points out, Microsoft complaint filed in the federal court in Washington state. Cyber, cyber forensics allows Microsoft to analyze billions of activations of Microsoft software and identify activation patterns and characteristics that make it more Likely than not, that the IP address associated with the activations 
is an address through which pirated software is being activated. So basically it's analysed these patterns and has determined that it's not just a normal activation or a volume licensing kind of situation activation. It's, it's more than likely being pirated software. So mm. that's why it's jumping up and down. And it would be a significant gaffe on behalf of the alleged pirates if the IP address uh, data pointed <laughs> directly to their real identity. So basically they haven't done anything in the way of going through proxy servers or anything to hide but what they were doing. Wouldn't you think Microsoft would just shut those keys down though? Or is it just too many? You think they just shut them well, down? Well, if, if there's thousands of them, yeah. You think, yeah, you think they would. Yeah. Uh, I, I was talking to Microsoft today. And old oh, representative, you know, the little Indian or Filipino dude that you can hardly hear on a crackling Skype VoIPy phone line. And uh, <laughs> I, I just want I asked him, uh, I had to activate a machine and it didn't auto activate, so I had to ring him, you know, go through the whole process. And I just said to him, Oh, listen, can I use the Windows 7 key on a clean install of Windows 10? And he said, Yes. So I thought you could, but I tried it just previously because that's what I was installing. I was trying to activate 7 on a machine that had already been up to 10. But he said I could, so I might give that a shot and see if I, if you can actually do that. It'd be interesting. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, but Windows 10, like, what, were the, what, was the, what was the software that was, that was uh, done? It, was, it would have been Windows 2012 to 2015. Probably, yeah, Windows 7, something like that. Yeah, it's probably what they started at, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, how the cookie crumbles, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's how it goes. All right, uh, Stuart, what have you yeah. brought us this week? Well, we all probably heard that um, that John English passed away today, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, also earlier earlier this week, we had some other other people pass away in the IT field. The first one is uh, Ray Tomlinson, who was the inventor of the email, apparently. Hmm. Uh, Ray Tomlinson, widely credited with inventing email as we know it, has died from a suspected heart attack at 74. Uh, he established the first, he had the first networked email system on ARPANET using the familiar user at host format that's still in use today. And uh, his, his choice of the at symbol for email popularized a once niche character, making it synonymous with all things internet. Mm. So he certainly had a lasting impact. Yeah, apparently that at character, it was a, a, a little known or little used character in publishing or something. And it, 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 I don't know, like I've always known it to mean at, but in different languages, that, that symbol means different things. Like, uh, oh, I was, does it? Yeah, like I was reading uh, another article, not the one that you've got here, and it was something like, like in another language, I don't know, like say Hindu or something, for example, that it meant worm. And you could probably see why it meant worm, you know, because it looked like a, probably a worm. <laughs> but, yeah, it meant different things. And uh, so he used it as the at, which was totally just – it was just made for it, wasn't it? Yeah, So because that's, that's exactly what it what it went on to mean. Uh, yeah, at that domain. Yeah, so, um, yeah, 74, heart attack. No good, eh? That's no good. Now, um, sure, you've, you've got another sad yeah. story. You're yeah, full the... of sad stories tonight. <laughs> no, well, the – the uh, second person, Tony Dyson, was the creator of R2-D2, has passed away as well. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's most widely known as the person who constructed the R2-D2 used on the sets of Star Wars in 1977. Uh, originally designed by concept artist Ralph McQuarrie, R2-D2, a shining example of practical movie props, went on to be a major feature in every single Star Wars movie since then. Yeah, right, in every single one. 
interesting. That's right. Yeah. Are you a Star Wars right, fan? And... Oh, absolutely. Who isn't? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind them. I, I like the last one the I, best. I have a fun fact about R2-D2. Oh, do you? Uh, apparently, only a number of, like a select amount of people have the ability or qualifications to drive R2-D2. And one of those people is the Asian guy off Mythbusters. Oh, right. So so is it, it's not like someone <laughs> inside it, it's an actual robot. Is that right? Uh, well, it's, well, originally it was both, wasn't it? Because it was um, because it was a a small person was uh, was it was was originally an R two D two for some of the shots. Hmm. Yeah, right. Okay. But but, but yeah. um, the reason why George Lucas had had these two robots in 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 all of his movies was he was actually kind of paying tribute to this old Japanese film where there were these two characters that were always in it in a, in a kind of a like a. Um, in a in a in a kind of a slapstick sort of a way, it was this, mm. it was this old Japanese classic film, and he basically copied that with these two robots that um, were in all of his yeah. films. Yeah, I suppose you could probably see that actually, like going down that train of thought. You know, like the tall, like fatty, skinny, tall and short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you could see, and even the way I think that I can remember the C three PO, the way he acted or whatever, he was always a bit. Uh, I don't know. Just it's just in these mannerisms towards R two D two. Oh yeah, you're, that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's it was like a Laurel. Yeah, like it's like a yeah, Laurel and Hardy yeah. type sort of a combination. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, hey, well done. That's uh, yeah. All right. Now so look. Anyway, I'm, that was. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, that's the uh, sad stuff out of the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, that's sad stuff out of the way. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like, um, that was no good. Uh, like about the John English, like, that came out of the blue, didn't it? That was uh, terrible. But um, yeah, that was. Yeah, terrible. that's right. Because I, I, he had been sick, but I wasn't sure how sick he was. No, I think he went in just for an operation, wasn't it? For an aneurysm or something, and then just yeah, unfortunately, didn't quite make it. Now look, yeah. I, I had my last story was about malware, and my second one is about malware. Now, this one is the Commonwealth, Westpac, National and ANZ customers are all at risk from the malware hiding on uh, legitimate banking apps, but on the uh, Android phones. So the malware, it superimposes a fake login screen over the top in order to capture username and passwords. Now, that's pretty uh, nasty, isn't it? Yeah, that's very nasty. Look, I've got a little picture there for people who can see. Now, the malware is designed to mimic... 20 mobile banking apps from Australia and New Zealand and for and a random country like Turkey. What That's just totally random, isn't it? Uh, as well as login <laughs> screens. For, yes, that's great. Like, what? You, okay, we're going to build malware. We're going to target Australia, New Zealand and Turkey. Yeah. Maybe they're from Turkey originally. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe uh, that's the connection. Yes. So, and also uh, the login screens, they replicated the mimic the login screens for PayPal, eBay, Skype, WhatsApp, and uh, a few Google services. So, other financial institutions are also uh, in the mix of uh, the hit list, apparently. It's uh, including Bendigo Banks and George Bank, Bank West, ME Bank, I think that's part of NAB, actually, the ASB Bank, Bank of New Zealand, Kiwi Bank, Wells Fargo, I don't know where that is, and then all a bunch of other ones. There probably must be Turkish banks. Now the malware can intercept two-factor authentication, sent to uh, sent to the phone via SMS. Geez, this is a pretty nasty one. Forwarding the That's code, right. yeah, it forwards the code to the hackers while it's hiding it, hiding the code from you on the phone. Now with this access to information, the the hacker can bypass the bank security measure to log into your phone, 
uh, from anywhere in the world and transfer funds. Mmm, nasty. Now, look, if you go to the show notes and you are on an Android phone, or if you're on an Android phone, you do online banking on it, maybe you should read this show note, and you can find that at the uh, aussietechheads.com.au forward slash podcast. And I think it's a, a story from the Sydney Morning Herald. So if you can't get any joy out of the show notes, which that you will you will be able to, uh, but follow, click through and follow, get the original story. And there's a bit of a, some sort of a guide on what you can do to maybe get rid of the, the malware because there's a little bit involved. Okay. Um, I think the main thing with that with that story, Glenn, is, uh, is is really goes to show that you should only get your apps from authorized app stores because I think that was the only way it was yes. getting onto the phones. Yes, true. Yes, that's right. Through side loading or something like that. So yeah, and apparently that was yeah. uh, it was obviously tricking people was saying oh whatever they were browsing or whatever they were doing it was saying oh you need this software to download so they downloaded it but unbeknownst to you know maybe you know. Um, computer literate people computer illiterate people they're they're downloading it from a link that's outside of the play store uh which is no good but uh yeah but yeah look this malware it's bloody crazy i I noticed though i had to a lady asked me to fix a little uh tablet android tablet the other day and i saw that the malware bytes you can download malware bytes on the android uh from the play store so that's uh that's something because i i I rate malware bytes on the PC, Windows 10, and uh, also there's a free version on the Mac, and uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's good. Yeah. Okay, do you use, what the security software are you using, Stuart? I have used malware bytes before, I don't, I don't sort of use it regularly, um, but at the moment I'm just using the, the, the sort of standard stuff that comes with Windows 10, what's it, Windows Defender? Defender, um, yeah. And I've got uh, a vast on there as well. Yeah, I was I was yeah. look, I was looking at a vast today, you know, thinking, oh, because I installed it on on a machine, and I thought, oh, look, maybe because I got AVG, and yeah, I'm just thinking, uh, look, maybe it might be time for a change, just, you know, spice it up a bit, make something looks better, looks different, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shane, what else have you got for us, please? Uh, yeah, uh, what I'll do is I'll do a quick little story that's um, tech related, but not sort of in the line of what we were talking about. Embrace Mining Technology Innovation urges Ryan Stokes. So Ryan Stokes is one of the um, one of Kerry Stokes' sons. Um, one could argue that it's maybe his favourite son, or right. just a, is the is the son that's um, probably higher up in the organisations than, than the other son. Gets all the World money. class. Uh, no, just in um, hierarchy, because like Ryan. I mean, he wasn't when I was working at Westray, but now he's actually um, basically high up in the company who owns Westray. Right. right. Whereas um, before, yeah, he was, I think he actually worked for Westray, fairly high up in the company, and now he uh, and now he's pretty much running the company that, uh, that runs Westray. Mm. Anyway, back to the regular program. The world-class breakthroughs in mining technology achieved in Western Australia and their potential broader applications around the world should not be for uh, not be forgotten in the wake of the mining boom. Ryan Stokes says, "Mr. Stokes pointed to the pro uh, to the progress made by the likes of Rio Tinto, BHP Billiton, and Fortescue Metals Group in installing automated trucks and drill rigs across some of the Pilbara Iron Ore operations, as an example." of the cutting edge technology used in mining in the mining industry comparing the huge automated trucks 
to the self-driving vehicles being developed by the likes of Google. Now, I kindly kind of disagree with the analogy there in that with the mining uh, trucks, basically how they kind of work is the mine looks like a, a, a certain layout. The, the way they kind of schedule the, the movement on the mine is kind of a certain way and can be kind of, um, what's the word, kind of be scheduled and kind of be kind of factored in. So really how these automated trucks work is on a, it's almost like a, it's almost like one of those um, railway systems that it, it's not actually a railway system. The trucks can only go from A to B at right. a certain speed. All other trucks around the mine site can go A to B on a certain speed. Yep. So there's less chance of, a, of anything kind of happening, whereas with the Google cars, as we've seen, because mm. they're just out in the wild and they've got other factors that can't be controlled in the same way as you can on a mine site, it's, in my opinion anyway, it's not a, an exact analogy. But we had, the, but anyway. we had a story last week uh, when you were here about the Google car crashing. And I think yeah, that hit was, the bus. Yeah, hit the bus. And, yeah, its problem it was trying to predict what the bus driver was going to do. Now, that's something a human, <laughs> that's a human can't do that. So, yeah. No. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, sorry, Shane, keep going. That's right. Anyway, it just goes on to say that Mr. Stokes, who's, uh, who's Seven Group owns Westrake, which is the company that I used to work for, uh, mining equipment business, said that the growing use of auto- autonomous mining fleets was just one example of how Australian miners were using innovation to improve their cost positions. There's, he's actually got another son, I don't know if he still does, but one of his other sons actually works for Westrack as well, and um, but just works in the, well, at the time anyway, just worked in the either of the service or the parts department. Well, I've got, just rolling on from that story there, I've got, because I've got a, uh, a driverless story as well. Now, in, this one is from England, a driverless lorry or lorries are to be trialled in the UK. Now, the, their Department of Transport said that they the UK would lead the way in testing driverless HGV platoons. Now, this technology enables vehicles to move in a group, uh, so using less fuel, they reckon. So moving in a group, I'd say that, uh, I suppose, you know, the, a lot of fuel is wasted. You know, when you look at cars at traffic lights, when they take off and when they stop, they're all going at different speeds and different times. Everyone's some braking, accelerating, whatever. So these are all going to be programmed, like just to all start and gradually pick up speed at the same time. They're all going to be a little replica down the line. Now, plans could result in <laughs> platoons of up to 10 uh, computer-controlled lorries being driven metres apart from each other. And it said that the Chancellor, whoever the Chancellor is, was preparing to fund the trials as part of plans to speed up lorry deliveries and cut congestion. Maybe just build a train line. Do it the right way. Uh, I'm back. Sorry about that. But I was just reading the story here. Hmm. Um, cut congestion. Now, if you had a whole stack of lorries together, wouldn't that increase the congestion? Yep. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, but they're all moving at the same time. So, yeah, what about lights? Well, the, Google well, can't build a car that doesn't bump into a bus at four kilometres an hour. I don't fancy a, a road train of lorries at 100 kilometres an hour not stopping. No. Sorry. I, I, yeah, I was a bit uh, scared of this when I first read I just, it. I don't think I'll be driving on any freeways in the UK <laughs> this comes into play. Oh, no. Look, this sounds this, like... A... Yeah, sorry, Stuart. <laughs> 
Sounds like a scene from Mad Max, actually. Yeah, it does a little bit. If it, is, if it isn't a scene from the Mad Max, it won't be long until it is. Yeah, look, at the, at the moment, they're only on the supervised tracks or something, so they're not out in the wild as yet, but, yeah, but I'll I'm tell with you. you. I'm with you, Glenn. If, you get, if you're going to have a whole bunch of trolleys metres apart, build a train line. Yeah, that's right. Like, it would be probably more economical at the end of the day. Big freight line. The, the, the funny thing is the, the rail systems throughout Europe are fantastic. Why don't they make the most of it? They are fantastic, the rail. Compared to Australia, my God. The yeah. rail systems are great. Yeah. Why would you stay on the road? It's a really yeah. fascinating idea, though, because it's, 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 it's a bit like a cycling peloton and how, and how you get all those sort of um, efficiencies by everyone moving together in a group. That's right. It's, That's uh, right. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You've got the slipstream, and I can all I can understand the aerodynamics of it. I think all that's all yeah. accurate, but in an accurate, and it will work, and it's proven to work in in the real world. But without a driver, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know either. But we'll we'll soon find out. But yeah, build a train, <laughs> build some steam trains, get some coal into them, burn some coal. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All the greenies will be protesting. Prop up the Queensland economy. Well, yeah, that's right. Well, with, some, with some coal. Well, what's worse, coal or um, oil? Who knows? Anyway, uh, Eric, what else? Well, according, according to the um, the people that want to go back to the dark ages, it's all as bad as one another. That's right. What what have you got? You've got uh, a story. We've got about, an iPhone seven. Yes, going, talking about going back to the dark ages. Yeah, dark. Exactly. How's this for a dark age? While the iPhone seven is not expected to launch until September, which is normal because it's always in September. French leaker Steve. Hammerstoffer has shared photos of one of the first cases prepared for Apple's next generation flagship smartphone. The case has a larger cutout for either a traditional camera and LED flash setup or possibly dual cameras. I think it's the dual cameras I'm going with. I don't think Apple... When you're putting a flash on an iPhone, your battery would be gone in about 10 minutes. <laughs> there are also two openings for stereo speakers in lieu of a, in lieu of a 3.5mm headphone jack. So... Yeah, look, look, mm. I, I don't mind. What, what, what are your objections to a headphone jack not having one? Well, they're going to have wireless headsets. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Well, well, number one, it's always Apple's way of boosting their revenue. We're going to build an iPhone. Oh, by the way, those headsets don't work anymore. You have to buy these <laughs> for ninety nine dollars. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good right? point. And then, and it's got the it's got the Bluetooth for the Wi Fi within the phone. Oh. Well, yeah, you need the headset, but if you have to, if you want to activate the phone Wi-Fi, you have to pay an extra. You know, it's it's mm. it's a it's a very sneaky way of Apple making more money. Because I know. Because then everyone has to. Everyone, let's put it this way, right? They're going to sell the headsets aren't going to be cheap. These normal ones are forty-five dollars, mm. right? Mm. Now, if they buy, some, if they invent something proprietary, we not. It's going to be pretty hard to get them off eBay and for them to work properly. Right. Yeah, that's right. Especially initially. Yeah. Now, secondly, how many iPhones do they? How many iPhones do they sell in a, in a year? Oh, Quite a yeah. bit, don't yeah. they? Millions. Right. Well, let's let's just work on simple figures. Let's just say they sell a million iPhones, and everyone has to buy ninety-nine dollar headsets. That's ninety-nine million dollars. So you're saying that just on head? So you're just saying, on headsets? Yeah. So you're saying that you you can foresee that the phone's not going to come with a earplugs. No, I don't think it will come with a headset. Or if it does, it'll be built into the price of the phone. So suddenly the phone, they're already $1,200 now. You can buy a laptop for that. 
Yeah. The phone will now be $1,500. But, like, but on the surface, I don't mind the idea. Like, because I know every time I go for a walk or something, you know, you put your phone in the pocket and earplugs in. Out, I know. It's too short. The lead's too short. Too short or too long. No, it's too short. Way or too it gets short. caught somewhere. Look, That's right. all, I get all the logistics of it, and I don't disagree with you, but it's the, I, it's, I'm skeptical of the way Apple's going to do it more than, more than the concept itself. Mm. Yeah, because to, I, I just think they're sneaky. Look, for example, the classic case, right? Surface Surface Book and the Surface Pro Four. You buy one, pen comes with it. Yeah. yeah. Or if it doesn't come with it, it's well, my actually my pen didn't come with it, but it wasn't expensive to to add it on. Mm. You buy an iPad. Oh, sorry, the pen's one hundred and sixty bucks. Are you That's kidding me? Lot. <laughs> That's a lot, isn't it? That's a <laughs> I'm lot. gonna buy a pen company for that. Yeah, you know, 160 bucks. Oh, I'm buying an iPad that works with a pen. Oh, you're gonna have to buy the pen as well. Well, and they're gonna do the same thing with this. Mm. They're yeah. gonna do the same thing, and that's what I don't like about it. Mm. Fair enough. But, but um, but but so having said that, I I listen to all of my podcasts with a little Bluetooth earphone sort of thing. So it's only in one ear. Yeah. It's very small, and and of course it's it's wireless, and it's it's fantastic because it's just doesn't take up any space. It doesn't feel like you've got anything in your ear at all. Well, I think and that's what everyone will probably end up it's, doing. It's great for podcasts, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's probably what people will end up doing because it's got the Bluetooth on it already and they can't suddenly yeah. chop that off and say, oh, we won't give you Bluetooth because we want you to buy the headset. <laughs> so like, you, they won't do that. No one, no one will buy their phone because people need the Bluetooth to pair it with their cars, et cetera, et cetera. So I think most people end up doing that. So, yeah. Stuart, Stuart, with that little Bluetooth, that like the little just the – you know the the calling Bluetooth thing that people put in their ear. Thought you can. Yeah, like... but it's it's very small though, so it doesn't sort of stick out in that sort of ugly way that the old ones used to. Oh yeah. It's only yeah. it's 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 only a cheap thing that that I just get from eBay. It's it, it comes straight from China. And it's it, it's only about seven or eight dollars or something like that. It's very it's pretty yeah, cheap, right. but it works. Right. It's great for podcasts. I wouldn't listen to music with it, but for podcasts, yeah. it's great. Well, I might have to yeah, uh, right. look into that, one of those because I know because when I go for a walk, I always keep one ear out anyway, so I can hear cars. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's perfect. For well, that. the only thing with mm. the Bluetooth is the radiation is a lot greater on a Bluetooth headset than it is on a on a wireless infrared or whatever they're going to use here. That's the only thing, mm. and it does burn through your battery a lot faster. So, I have a question, Stuart. Since you're in a band, is it would would that sort of technology, Bluetooth headset technology, be high enough quality for using it for like fallback when you're actually playing on stage and and that sort of thing? No, it's not because um, because there's just that bit of a lag. Yep. Because yeah, because the Bluetooth is not is not as, it is not as instant as a as a as a as a cable connection. So you yeah, can't, cable connection, fixed yeah. connections are much better. There's a lot of uh, singers now that use those uh, remote mics, don't they? I don't know. Are, are they any good? Oh, I haven't used one before, so... I haven't one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. I think it's the think microphone fine, that's the problem. Right. It's, the, it's the feedback that the, you know, like the singer or the, yeah, the person playing the instrument actually needs. Like, I know with um, playing drums, I needed to kind of hear the rest of the band... So I could actually, yeah, you know, obviously keep the time for them. Whereas, and I was just wondering whether something like that would actually be good enough. But I guess because of the the latency, it would be even more of an issue. Me being a drummer, kind of thing. Well, I think the sound quality isn't as good either. And you, got, if you can't get the proper tune, you'll end up playing out of tune or singing out of tune. 
I think anything, any sound that has to go through a computer has to be processed. And no matter how fast it is, you're always going to get that little, like, tiny millisecond of delay. Like, even I've got this this uh, audio interface now that goes into the Mac here to record, and it's all done with FireWire. And you'd think that that's going to be the fastest you're going to get. Uh, but you still get that. It just sounds like a little echo, and it's just not as 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 sweet as just a direct cable yeah um all right Stuart, what are you up to i think you've got a, you've got some more yeah no just uh i was going to talk about lumino city i don't know if you've heard of that before but it's it's mm. a game that um that's out on the iphone and the ipad it's it's not it uh it's not brand new it's been out for a few months but the reason why i was bringing it up was because for the first time it's just gone on sale and because originally it's 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 normally seven dollars 99 so it's quite expensive for a for an iPhone game these days, and it's down to two dollars ninety nine mm. at the moment, which is the first time it's been on sale. But the reason why I was picking out this particular game was was the way it was made was was really interesting, and they actually won a BAFTA last year for artistic achievement. Wow! So the way that they did it, it's it's a kind of a puzzle game that's set in this fictional city called Lumino City, but they physically made a model of the city using cardboard and paper and so on, and super detailed city and with, to make the game they just had lots of cameras around this this really big model of 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 the city and moved the cameras around different locations and use different lighting and things like that so when you play the game you're actually you're watching real footage it's not it's not cgi or anything it's actually a real a real a real model like the, little, has, the same way they the old style like they did start the first star wars basically yeah, like it's. I guess it's a bit like a stop motion animation, yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. to a certain extent, and it just has a, a different look to something that's just been completely computer generated, and uh, it's just a really interesting game. And the one, and it, and it won a BAFTA last year. I'd been waiting for it to, to, to finally drop in price, and it just dropped dropped uh, this week. So that's something to have a look at. Mm. Yeah, well, just I just Very flashing a video up of that now of the of the trailer uh, for everyone that's watching this on the YouTube's. I'd probably get another takedown, and uh, yeah, so it does look <laughs> it does look quite uh, interesting, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, so I know you guys uh, like Eric and Stuart and Shane. You can't see it, but yeah, it's very good, isn't it? Very There's good. a very interesting um, behind the scenes video of 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 how they shot it, and it was very involved. Right. So you played this one, Stuart. I just picked it up yesterday, so oh. I only played a bit of it through and uh yeah it's great it's, yeah, right. it's got really interesting puzzles very sort of got a real sort of tactile feel to them because it's because it's they're filming a real thing mm. it does have a real sort of uh tactile aspect to it and what's the object of the game you have to rescue your grandfather who's 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 been lost in this city somewhere so it's 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 trying to unlock certain doors and get through this area and get through that area and and gradually find him but all the the puzzles I've played so far—they're all very, uh, very different, very unique. So it's, it's things you probably haven't seen before. Now this uh, uh, this video that I'm playing here uh, on the Lumino City official trailer—I'm I'm sure this is the right one—but it's uh, two years ago, yeah. so it, it's fairly old sort of a game. Well, at first, it it came out. Um, about eighteen months ago, I think, in uh, for for PC. Oh yes, and it only came on on iPhone and iPad about five months ago, so right. it's fairly okay. new for iOS. Yeah, yeah, right. Good stuff. Oh, I'll have to have a look at that. Uh, so Lumino City down two ninety nine. 
All right. So you can get it on your iPhone. Yeah, cool. All right. An iPad, yep. An iPad. All right, now let me scroll back up to the top because I'll, I'll, I'll have another one. Oh, how's this? I was looking uh, looking through some stories today. This is just a little quickie. But, yeah, Toshiba, they've got this robot, and it's so human-like. Now, I'll get a little photo that I can show. Oh, you guys can see the photos in the show notes anyway. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got it. Yep. Yeah, so this this robot, it's a girl, it's a lady, uh, probably Japanese lady. She's designed to look as human as possible. She's uh, just recently had German language added to her repertoire. Now, the also, up, she's had an upgraded machine control system to make the m- movements smoother. It's uh, it's strange, isn't it? Because like when you when I'm reading this story, it's, it refers to it as an it, which which it is. But when you're looking at her, you want to keep <laughs> referring to it as her. <laughs> yeah, so um, now this professor, professor uh, blah blah, pro, I'm sure she doesn't get tongue tied like that either. Now Professor Noel Sharkey, that's a that's a name and a half. Noel Sharkey, a roboticist <laughs> at the University of Sheffield, said that he thought the machine still fell still fell clearly on this side of the uncanny valley now if you're like me and you're thinking <laughs> what the hell is an uncanny valley uh the term refers to the fact that many people feel increasingly uncomfortable the closer a robot gets to appearing like a human being so long as the two remain distinguishable yeah so it would be creepy and apparently this robot uh, has just come out of japan for the first time so it's some big deal or something but oh look it's it's reminds me of the old doctor who episode the android invasion you know they just look human their face falls off and yeah creepy stuff <laughs> maybe maybe i got a bit of uncanny valley <laughs> going on and sounds uh, a bit rude mate <laughs> well, that's why honda when they were um because honda of course have been making robots for a long time and they and they try and make sure that they are not what that they don't look like humans, I think, to, mm. so they don't put people off, and so they're definitely shorter than humans and things like that, and so they, so people don't get worried about them. So they don't get uncanny valley isms. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, Shano, what else have you got, please? Um, I will do a story about the the story that just keeps on keeping on the Apple versus FBI story. Oh, there's a couple. Still going. <laughs> There's a couple of other people that have kind of come out of the woodwork and put their two cents worth in. And um, I don't know whether you want me to quote uh, Snowden directly. Um, you may. Well, that's all right. You're not breaking any laws he, as long as you quote him and it's all right. All right. No, it's just that he describes it rather colourfully, that's all. Uh, the FBI well, says that... Use your imagination, yeah. replace those words with truck. I oh, know, it's not that colourful. <laughs> Anywho... The FBI says that the only the only Apple can create. De- uh, hang on, I'll try that again. The F the FBI says that only Apple can deactivate certain passcode protection on the iPhone, which will allow law enforcement to guess the passcode by using brute force. Talking via video link from Moscow at a conference, Snowden said that the FBI says Apple as the exclusive technical means to unlock the phone, uh, respectfully, that is bullshit, according to uh, according to Snowden. Microsoft founder Bill Gates has also weighed in on the argument and uh, said in a discussion on Reddit that he thinks that there needs to be a discussion about when the government 
should be able to gather information and then goes on to sort of say, what if um, we had never had wiretapping? Also, the government needs to talk openly about safeguards. So he's kind of falling on the side of the FBI. Snowden's um, basically just saying that Apple being the only people that can break into the phone is a load of crap. And then Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak has now piped in to the argument as well, saying that uh, also spoke out against the FBI on Conan O'Brien on Monday's show, saying that I side with Apple on this one. The FBI picked the lamest case you ever could. And the only other thing that I wanted to kind of throw in the mix at this point is I can't remember exactly what show it was on, but one of the Twitch shows where they were saying that the phone itself has got um, nothing of interest to the FBI. They just want to use this to set a precedent. So going forward, if mm. they get phones that have something of interest, it's a lot easier to get access to the stuff than it is currently. Well, it probably will be easier going forward. Like, they're just spewing that this Sam Bandino idiot didn't have a six a success with the fingerprint thing on it. He had a five, yeah. didn't he? So um, five C. Yeah. So going forward, probably just yeah, stick the stick his finger on it, and you'll get in. Uh, <laughs> can't can't they? Oh, I suppose it needs to be a live finger. I was gonna say, can't they just go through the motions? <laughs> Does it? Have I was gonna to say, be? can't they go through the motions of a, of upgrading to the latest thing, latest phone, which has got the um, fingerprint reader, albeit a dead finger, set up the actual fingerprint, then that kind of gets into the phone that way if they actually upgrade the phone up, upgrade into the latest phone but I think it actually has to be a live finger right right okay I don't know <laughs> what, what's the difference between well you can't have like a six week old dead finger but what's the difference between a fresh dead finger and a finger still well I think the phone the phone's smart enough to kind of check for things like pulses and all that kind of stuff as well just mm. as well as the fingerprint now here's one. He while you're carrying on about uh, fingerprints, do you know they're doing uh, like ear prints or ear drum print things? <laughs> now <laughs> headphones use ear canals to carry out ID checks. Now this works by playing. Oh come on! This... <laughs> <laughs> now well, if you think of it, this is what this is what people Apple and all the all this DRM people have been going be, you know, going crazy about. So this uh, works by playing a sound and then checking how it resonates in the wearer's ear canal. This provides a biometric check that serves as an alternative to a fingerprint sensor or eye scanner. Now, NEC, who are the, the dudes who are doing all this, said it intended to make products using the facility available before the end of 2018, which is not too far away. One expert praised the innovation for offering a fresh alternative to passcodes now, but like the, the, they go on and say the shape and size of each person's ears are unique. Uh, the resulting data could be used to distinguish an individual. But I reckon it'd be more, it's going to be more used. Like, so, you know, when you buy a song, well, that's ha that's, you can't listen to it unless your ears tell the <laughs> machine that you can listen to it. That's how, you get, how they get the yeah. DRM going again. Do you uh, reckon? That's, oh, that's scary. Stupid. But, but that's, what, that's, what that, that's where this will want to try and go don't you think like why not that, that's it if i was the, tim cook i'd be going well we want to protect our music or oh whatever. don't give cookie monster any ideas good god yeah well he, he, he plug 
earplug uh, IDs. That's ridiculous. Earplugs. What's yeah. next? Oh, we just have. We'll have a on the iPhone. We'll have a DNA check on it. Hang on, let me just pull the hair out. <laughs> yeah, Run that's it mine. Yeah. Oh, the phone open. Oh, I can read read my emails now. Hang on. <laughs> Run it through like go. a blood sampler or something. Yeah. CSI <laughs> iPhone. Give me a break. Yes. <laughs> um, Eric, what other story have you got? Have you got any more? Ah, let me see. What What do I have? You got a Google um, test app. Oh, look, this is a bit weird. Don't know. You just explain to me this, someone, please. Google has announced that it is testing a payment program called Hands Free huh. that lets users pay for goods without having to reach into their pockets. Oh, God, I, I okay. hate doing that. Yeah, the idea behind the program goodness. is that anyone can walk into a store, find what they want, head to the register, requiring only their face and a moment's conversation to purchase something. Yeah, right. So it must be, what, voice-activated and something, right? Yeah. Hands-free is a limited pilot program at select stores in the Silicon Valley area. Where else? Yeah. Google said that it uses a variety of sensors in a user's smartphone, including Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, to detect when shoppers are in a particular store. This is too much for me. Yeah, that's out, of, uh, that's out there. That's out of It's just completely just, what are they going to think of there? When mm. at the cash register, the user simply has to say, I'll pay with Google and mm. give their initials to the cashier. The store employee checks the initials and a picture that the users have uploaded to their payment accounts to verify that who they are. Well, where, where are they going to get the picture from? You've got to show their phone, which means you've just reached into your pocket. This is just another one of those. Which means that this store is stupid. Yeah, this is another one of those Google things that will just end stupid up. Stupid Google things. On the and and get, let me tell you something. It's not NFC, right? And it's cl- which is basically close quarters like PayPass or things like that, right? Mm. So this you're going to communicate with your smartphone through a Bluetooth and or Wi-Fi. Now, geez, I wonder if anyone can hack those signals <laughs> right? and just get your payment details. Oh, money's not going to the storekeeper. It's gone to my account. Oh, too bad. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, how lazy do we want to be? Like, I, thought, I know. You know like, well, you can't put your hand in your pocket now. Hang on a minute. Oh. I've got it still. Hang on a minute. Get the phone out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Heart rate increase. I need to sit down. I need to get a drink. Yeah, crazy. I have to go back to the shop and get a drink and pull my phone out again. Oh, oh. <laughs> All right, uh, Stuart, have you got any more this week? Lumino City, blah, blah, blah. Yes, you have. Yeah, yeah. Just um, something new from, from Google since we're talking about Google is uh, destinations on Google. It's this. It's just sort of a planning tool for your mobile phone. I, I did try it on the desktop. Doesn't work on that. It's definitely a mobile phone sort of thing. Yeah. And you type in a place that you want to go to. So if you're going to Paris, you type in 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 the Google search. You type in Paris, and then either the word destination or vacation. Mm-hmm. And then Google brings together lots of facts about that destination, places to stay, flights, works out itineraries for you, and just brings all these things together in one in one spot, and you can. Right. Plan when the best, when the sort of cheapest time of the year is to go, and things like that, and uh, and 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 oh, that's and, pretty uh, cool. Brings it all together. Yeah, yeah. So it also filters, uh, it lets you customize hotel class, number of travelers, and a heap more. Plan a trip tab, highs, yeah, highs and lows. Cool. So that's uh, just on Google on uh, iPhone, Android, just mobile. You think? Yeah, well, I used uh, the Chrome browser on the on the iPhone. It worked. Oh right. So, yeah, it was good. Oh nice. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, look, that's that's a pretty, pretty good sweet. idea. But I don't know if I'd like to plan my trip on my iPhone. Why not? I like a big screen, you know, because you've got spreadsheets. You go, well, that trip there, that's how much it's going to cost. Yeah, that's where I'm staying. 
you know, I can't do all that on this. <laughs> well, you could. I what? think it's good for um, you know, for the itineraries because it also has like walking tours and things like that. So that if you just go to a place, great. You know, if you're already weekend, in Paris, if you're already yeah, in Paris, right. you go right walking tour Paris, and you go bang, 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 perfect. That's but right. I think to plan your whole trip on this, I think might be a little bit difficult. Right. Well, you it could... shows things like like our restaurants as well. So yeah, it's good once you're there, probably. Yeah, mm. look, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look at that. That that looks pretty good. Type in Gold Coast, see see where I can go. Uh, Shane, it'll tell you to bring your bulletproof vest, mate. Every single location. Gold Coast, not that bad. <laughs> you see that guy on Facebook who wrote put a post up and said something about um. Uh, he wanted to go and kill Donald Trump, and uh, oh, what a dick! Yeah, and so anyway, so the the feds come around to his house and said, "Hey, going to cancel your visa, sunshine? <laughs> You're out of here!" Oh, sucky. yeah. And he's, apparently, he's in jail. And he's he's got till the fifteenth of July or something to leave voluntarily. Uh, yeah. So he, he put up. Where was said, who? Where was this bloke from? Uh, Egypt. In America. He was an Egyptian. And, uh, oh well, that's going to get your credit points. Yeah, and he was yeah, and he was saying something about um, uh, I don't know what he actually posted, but it was something about uh, what going to kill Donald Trump and do the world a favor or something like that. And then when he gets oh. caught, when he gets caught and everything, he goes, "Oh, I didn't mean I was never going to hurt anyone." I mean, well, look, I'm sure there are a lot of people in the last three months that have said exactly the same thing, but they probably haven't posted it on Facebook no. or anything like, like that. You can't. <laughs> it's a bit stupid. The, the posts and stuff on Facebook, especially about topics like that, are getting getting really sensitive, and yeah. Like, oh yeah, you do. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you went yeah, out, could... if you went out into the the town square and you you bellowed it from the top of your lungs, we're probably going to get in the same trouble. You yeah, you're right. Well, see, the thing is, that's the problem with social media. You all got these keyboard warriors, right? They're all behind the screen. They're all very brave, and they can, they think they can say whatever they want. Well, everyone's cracking down on that now. Because if you write anything on Facebook, for example, that says, um, you know, Tony Abbott's an effing liar and a and a freaking bully, mm. right? Yeah. And you and with, without putting in my opinion, because yes. if it's your opinion, it's fine because mm. it's just your opinion. But if you say something like that and if, and you're trying to pass it off as fact, you're in the courts. Yeah. Straight up, that's what, libel. Yeah. Well, what about unsourced rumours and? Put them in a book. Well, that's a different story. Oh well, let's not go there. Well, that's, that's sort of that's that's uh, yeah. She oh, look, there's yeah, she's got uh, a couple of she'll have a few QC bills coming her way. Don't worry. Oh, do you reckon? Do you reckon that's going to go yeah. off? Yeah, yep, yep. yeah, that's, right. uh, yeah. She's she's go, she's a goner. I heard her on the on a radio show. I'm not sure who the compare was, but he he just asked her a straight question. Said, "Well, who who said this?" And she goes, "I'm not telling." He goes, okay, who said this? I'm uh, not telling. Who said this? I'm uh, not telling. There's no one said it. Yeah, who knows? See, there's a backstory to her. She's a mean little piece of thing, right, according to other people, not me. In your uh, opinion. Apparently, not, in, not opinion. in my opinion, according to other people's opinions, so they don't get me. Um, apparently, she wanted the chief of staff job that Tony Abbott gave there you go. to Peter Peter there, Credlin, there's right? The, there's the and right. ever since then, she's had the hate on him for not mm. giving her the job. And the hate on her for getting the job. Oh, and all of a sudden, she writes this book. Sent the haters so, out. You know, Good. Yeah. Uh, Everyone loves to hate Tony Abbott. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, uh, who else has got another story? I've got one more. Anyone else? Harry, you? I got, yeah, I've got one more. All right, go, Shane. 
All right, Google ordered to hand over names of fake reviewers in Dutch court case. Fake reviews have been an occasional and frustrating byproduct of sites like Google Yelp and Amazon for years. A nursery in Amsterdam, so big company, uh, has won a case against Google and a civil court in the city we uh, in city this month, in which Google was not only forced to take down several negative fake reviews that appeared on Google sites, but also disclosed the details such as IP addresses of the people who posted the reviews in the first place. The lawyer of the nursery, Paul Tijami, I think it is, uh, of Simmons and Simmons, believes that this is the first time that the search giant has ever been forced to pay court to uh, forced by a court to reveal contact and registration details of fake reviewers. Google so far has no comment on the case. We've received the rule, ruling and are reviewing it, but nothing else um, to share at this time, a spokesperson told TechCrunch in an email. While the case appears to be the landmark ruling, it's the first time that Google has been required to provide contact details and IP of uh, uh, contact details and IP addresses for Google reviewers. It also highlights the challenges for search platforms like Google when navigating questions of freedom of speech and more recent developments in, that touch on users' privacy. So how do they know, to start with point A, how do they people know that it is initially a fake review? Like, they obviously don't know it's fake because they're asking Google for IP and addresses of people who posted it. So do they have to, are they, are they suggesting, are they alleging that this is fake? So then they want to get, say, private information to prove that it's fake. Like, I don't, I don't think it's fake in the way that it's been posted by like a robot. I think it's fake in that someone's written something about a restaurant or a hotel that they've never actually eaten at or stayed at. Right, right. Well, but why would people bother doing that? Get paid to do it or something. Owns a hotel yeah, down the paid. road. Yeah, right. They get paid. Yeah, well, look, I don't know. Like, it's obviously be a frustrating thing, you know, <coughs> owning a business getting all these fake negative reviews because your competition don't like you. So what do well, you... that's that can happen too. They 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 might pay the competition to write negative reviews about the competition. Hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. You know. But I suppose, look, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a tricky one, isn't it? Like, because like you know, you pick up a book. Uh, what's the what's that travel book? Uh, I don't know. Is it weary? Lonely, lonely, lonely. Something. Yeah. Isn't there reviews mm. in that? Or, or some sort of reviews or suggestions of where yeah, but Lonely Planet's yeah. pretty reputable. They've been around a very long time. I don't think they'd be doing anything stupid, or else they still wouldn't, they wouldn't be around. Because I know, like, I think they're, they're fairly reputable. Because I know, if I look at a page, or if I'm looking at, say, I don't know, say I want to buy some program or something on the internet, and you think, oh, should I buy it? Should I not buy it? Or, or, or whatever, and you start looking at the reviews, and then you start seeing some negative reviews. You just go, well, no, I'm not going to get it because of that, but. There's also positive reviews as well, so I think you've got to read. No, I, I weigh them. Yeah, I try to weigh them up. I usually make sure that it's the positive reviews outweigh the negatives. I think yes. the other thing that isn't in my notes, but this is a, a nursery, so it wasn't just reviews about saying there yeah, the plants are all good or the plants are all dead. There were some reviews in there that touched on um, 
uh, things about staff and apparently there's some obviously there's young people working there and it was going into uh, areas like child abuse and and alleging that sort of behavior <laughs> amongst these reviews so I think that's where they've kind of got a bit upset mm. yeah that's definitely the competition or some mm. jealous uh... yeah and uh, I think Stuart uh, you've just got one more just a quick one. Uh, Fresco News in the US, teams with Fox stations for crowdsourced coverage. So this is basically where the general public send in their the photos and videos of, of uh, breaking news in their area. And if they get picked up, then you get $50 for a video oh, and $20 for a photo. That's all right. So well, that's, Fresco... that's, very, that's very cheap <laughs> programming, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's a very cheap program because you know, if they had to send out a crew, it cost them thousands. Say, oh, you do. We'll give you fifty bucks. They're making a fortune. Mm. Yeah, and it's you know with the like with the the current state of the smartphone uh, video cameras these days, they shoot some that? really good video. Yeah, what, 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 what are really... the paparazzi going to do now? They're going to be out of business. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's it's it, it's a really interesting direction where it's Uber. So it's paparazzi Uber. Yeah, but it's still it's not. It's not just like seeing Twitter or something like that. It's apparently it, it, it's still it, it's still a curated feed. So, you know, so they try and weed out the rubbish and so on. So oh, that it's still you, a, you know, you, yeah. you still have to get through the editorial editorial process and the fact checking because yeah. people are going to start sending up. Uh, let's set this up to make it look like a crime. Yes. You know, <laughs> someone getting their heads punched in or someone. Uh, breaking into a store, someone's stealing a car and, and you're sending in his news and it's just you and your mate setting up a sting. Well, I think it's this, this <laughs> part of that story here that probably says it all. It says uh, television stations in 11 cities will be able to send out location-based alerts through the, the Fresco iOS app in the hopes of getting first-person coverage. So maybe, you know, they get the they get a phone tip off saying that this something's going down. Yeah, sending yep. all these people into yeah. trouble. Yeah, <laughs> so they put this alert out. Everyone just converges, looking for fifty bucks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Let, let's send. Let's send fifty. Uh, I get a dollar each. Uh, yeah, so that, that's interesting. That's interesting. Look, I might, I might have that. Might put that down. Like, is it over here yet? Back in Apple. I think it's just the US. I think. Well, yeah, but, that, yeah. It's, if, it's, if, it's just talking about the US, but it's. Uh, it's yeah, it'll come yeah. here, I'm sure. Yeah, you'll always just have it on your phone just in case, because you know you just you don't well you don't know when you're going to just be having your camera out and filming something that's just going to happen. You know, you just well, I think you'll find that most of the news websites, in a, in a lot of the stories, it says um, send your pictures and videos too, and they send you an email address. They don't pay you. Mm. They just want you. You know, if you see something and you, you know blah blah blah, and you think suddenly it's newsworthy. So if you go to Nine MSN, for example, and it's such a tabloid website now. That you can tell which ones have been sent in by people. Most of it is just stuff that people have sent in. It's not yeah. stuff they've covered. Oh, I'm getting right? They're doing it now, but they're doing it on the cheap. Yeah. So the other one that Stuart's talking about is probably a more professional version. They've got to edit out and weed out the rubbish and whatnot, and you get hmm. a proper, you know, like, girl surprises man who raised her with hidden adoption papers. You know, they just grab that straight off YouTube. Yeah. I'm, I, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Are you, got, are you getting increasingly sick of just the rubbish that you got to read in the news? Like, it's rubbish. It's, it's, not, it's rubbish. not news anymore. It's gossip. It's just rubbish. It's gossip. It's anyway, gossip yeah. and, and, and just uh, rubbish. You know, innuendo. And, yeah. you know, today I was at the service station today, and, you know, the stupid women's magazines, girls' magazines, and, the, you know, they're right there, right? Yeah. And the, there's one, with, I can't remember which one it was, and it, was one, it had Nicole Kidman on it. You know, Nicole's wrapped. It's a boy. You know, like she said, she's oh. not even pregnant. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whose boy was it? Actually, last week she said, she said somewhere in some tabloid rag, uh, that's it, I've had it with kids. And then this week, it's a boy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come off it. Yeah, it's just so it's so much waste of time. And, it's and what's, just rubbish. It's oh, just there was rubbish. Something. I was flicking through the TV last night, and oh, I can't remember. But I know I commented on it as as I because I stopped on it. It was the Kardashian show. And oh, I, please. And I stopped there for like 30 seconds, just enough time, unfortunately, to see, hear what was going on. But it was something that was that was just rubbish. It was just r- absolute rubbish. But anyway, I, I forget what it was. Oh, it's a, that's a rubbish show. I don't even, yeah, it's oh, just rubbish. Yeah. Anyway, last, uh, last one. Uh, Skype ditches support for smart TVs. Well, I don't know if this is a good move or not. I don't know. But the uh, move reflected, apparently, public preference for using mobile devices to make video calls from the living room. How, right, whatever. How would they know? Are they watching everyone's calls where they're making them from? Uh, despite the average, so, yeah. So anyway, so it will continue to main the service until June. Afterwards, it will be up to the individual manufacturers of the TVs to decide whether or not, you know, they want to support, uh, put the app, put an unsupported app on their uh, device. Skype TV was first unveiled at CES Tech Show in January 2010, and was marketed as a way to let families share the limelight, uh, and yeah, so from their lounge room. So there's no more huddling around the computer let on. me show you around my house so you got to pick up the tv yeah well in that case you're not <laughs> going to do it like that are you but i mean look the, my comments on this was is like it's introduced at ces in 2010 so what that means what take another 12 months before it's to to get mainstream so say 2011 and they can in it already so how yeah, but- Tell me, would you use it? Would you use Skype on TV? I know I wouldn't. Well, I don't even have a smart TV. I've never had a chance to well, use me, it. Well, me neither, but can you imagine the sound quality? I'm sitting four metres away from the TV. What? Speak up. I can't <laughs> hear you. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be well, terrible. I never, I never thought of that. That would be a negative. Yeah, that would be a negative. But I just don't think they've given it long enough because not everyone's got a smart TV. And I just think, you know, like it's, is it just too early to throw in the towel. Like how much does it cost to maintain it? Really? Oh, look, I, I figured that. No one's buying it and they shouldn't be selling it. Yeah. But so does that mean that they're also not going to support it um, in their own products? Like, because it's part of the, it's part of Xbox 360 and Xbox One. That's right. And um, I know you can get it on, I don't know if you can get well, it on the Apple TV or not. I don't use any of those. Mm. Yeah, I don't Never know. used it. But anyway, that's what's going on. So that's uh, all we've got for you for this week. How good's that? There's a few, quite a few stories there this week, wasn't there? You can yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Now, don't forget you can uh, jump on the Twitter. You can follow the Twitter feed. Not there's much going on, but maybe you can help that at uh, Aussie Techheads. And if you want to use a hashtag, let's do it. Let's do hashtags, eh? Let's go hashtag Aussie Techheads. It's an easy to remember. Don't forget the Aussie Max Zone, the Obsidian Loft, Old Fart Geeks, and Aussie Tech Security. And also don't dare forget the tune in radio and search for Aussie Tech Radio. All right, good stuff. If you want to email us, you can email us whatever our name is at aussietechheads.com.au. It'll find its way there. And uh, yeah, we'll see what you've got to say. Give us some feedback. All right. Uh, thanks, uh, Eric. Thanks for coming in. And we'll see no you. No problem. Thank you, sir. Next week, Shane. We'll see you next week. And yeah, yeah, barring any other bugs or whatever. Right. Hope it doesn't spread <laughs> to your arms or whatever. That's or your apparently, 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 
It only it only attacks the legs, so yeah. So um, good. The only thing it'll happen is it'll just you're jump back not, to the left one. You're not you reckon you're not um, what's that three legged guy? Take the pig. <laughs> Rolf. <laughs> oh, Rolf. <laughs> oh Rolf, what's happened to Rolf? He's he's still in the can. He's looking at more charges. Oh Rolf, why not? Oh, tell me. No, 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 I understand what that song was about. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, right. right. Well, why wouldn't you write a, 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 I don't know, you'd be not in a nice frame of, we wouldn't feel like writing a happy song, would you? All right, and uh, thanks, Stuart, as well, for coming in and uh, giving us your story thanks, for friend. the week. All right, good stuff. So I hope you enjoyed this week's show. We'll be back next week, as usual, for another episode of Aussie Tech Heads. We'll see you then. Be good. Bye-bye.